Hi, thanks again for tuning in to the podcast, Asking for a Friend. We know there are hard questions both from people inside and outside of the faith that can easily go unanswered. This could be due to certain feelings like the fear of asking or the fear of rejection. It could also be maybe that we just don't know how to ask or who to ask. This podcast is designed to engage with those of us who are searching for answers. Today's episode, we have Ben, Lori, and Chad. And the question that they are going to dive into is, are the spiritual gifts relevant for today? They'll explore what the Bible says and interject their own personal stories on the subject. You know, at Life Church, we value authenticity. And we understand that when we explore certain topics, we may not all see eye to eye, but it is important for us to still have the conversation. This is such a great episode. I love the content that they cover. So let's go for it. Welcome to another episode of Asking for a Friend. Today, we are going to be discussing the question, are the spiritual gifts still relevant? Today, I got Chad and Lori. Thanks for being on, guys. Of course. To start off here, uh, why do people tend to ask if the spiritual gifts are still relevant today? Well, I think that it's the mysterious part, right? There's lots of things that are not fully understood about God and about how he moves. And I think that um, spiritual gifts, there are components of the spiritual gifts that are under, are not understandable. Um, and so there's that mysterious component. And so it does leave room for wonder. Yeah. And by mysterious component, you're referring to like tongues, uh, the interpretation of tongues, healings, miracles, mm-hmm. and like uh supernatural knowledge yeah more of like the supernatural uh yeah the supernatural why is this question important i think it's really important because all of the spiritual gifts have been given to believers to help edify the body of christ Um, there's a lot of diversity within the body so there are some that have different gifts and so we're empowered by the spirit to be able to be a blessing to others and to edify the body Um, so anytime we're promised something it's good to ask the question well what is that? How do I receive this? What would that look like? How do I know if I've received a gift? Something like that. So I think it's really important. I can echo what Chad said there. I think it is important because God does speak to his people through using the gifts. And I think it does um, encourage and equip the believers. Um, It also, um, it allows people who are not believers to see God at work. And it, it, it's a way to draw people to God, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a way that God reveals himself to make himself known to people as well. What have been like your personal experiences uh, seeing like the manifestations of the, the spirit, the gifts of the spirit? So I grew up in a very um, conservative background, so didn't really see a lot of that um, when I was a child. But um, just through the course of my own um, journey, um, knew and loved the scripture and read what it said about what Jesus was doing. And just um, through my own kind of um, learning, searching, um, wanted to find out what that really meant for me as a believer. Um, It says in the scripture that greater things will you do. And so, um, you know, it's talking about Jesus healing the sick, raising people from the dead, all sorts of, you know, miraculous things that he's doing. And it says, greater things will you do because I've sent the Holy Spirit to be with you and I'm going to my father. And so um, there was a point in my life where I then was like, okay, what does that look like then for me um, as a believer then here 
you know, um, what does that look like? And so through the course of my journey, I ended up traveling to Africa with mm-hmm. Iris Ministries. And that was um, a huge opportunity to really see God in, um, at work because it looked different than here in the United States. Um, saw um, blind gain sight, um, saw deaf gain hearing, um, saw just miracle after miracle where you could not deny who um, was the reason and why it happened. Um, also saw lots of um, people who had never heard the gospel before um, be saved. Um, just really incredible, really powerful. Um, and then I also, though, have seen God on the, you know at work here as a result um, of just my understanding and also just being willing to pray for people. I think that is a part of it as well um, and looking for God to work and move. Um, so that's just a little tiny part of my journey, but I would say um, definitely God has shown me but I've also been searching and I've been asking and been wanting to, to discover what that really looks like here um, in the United States. So my history with spiritual gifts, um, I grew up in a really conservative church. And so we were cessationalists, which means uh, that some of the sensational spiritual gifts would have ceased. So you see those primarily in the book of Acts, um, although obviously Paul talks about them later. Uh, but the belief was that those were given for the establishment of the church, uh, primarily to show that the Gentiles were accepted by God. So you would see a Gentile accept Christ, uh, an apostle would go lay hands on them, pray for them, they would have a manifestation of tongues to demonstrate that they were accepted by God. And that was a big deal back then because there was a lot of controversy. Can the Gentiles even be part of the church? Are they accepted by God the same way the nation of Israel um, was? So uh, it's viewed as a transitional narrative in that that uh, vein uh, theologically. So once the church was established, the church age, and the Gentiles were proven to be grafted in, those gifts would have ceased. Um, So there's not a lot of controversy around things like, oh, I have the spiritual gift of administration. Nobody's like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, But I was always taught that the more sensational gifts like tongues and healing were really for the establishment of the church. Um, When I went to college, I had a, a guy on my floor who came from a more Pentecostal background and was telling me, well, if you haven't experienced this, like you're really missing out and you haven't really experienced God. Um, He would even say that I wasn't a believer if I hadn't experienced those things. Mm -hmm. And that was very troubling for me, obviously, with the background Mm -hmm. that I had. Um, I did a lot of scripture reading, a lot of praying. Um, I really believe we've got to take the word as it reads. I mean, it's, it's written to an audience with a specific message in mind. We need to do the hard work to dig that out and understand what the authors were saying. Um, and I don't know how you can look past those gifts. So that left me with this interesting dilemma where there's big swaths of this I'm totally comfortable with, right? But the speaking in tongues one in particular, like, that's weird. Um, now, I've obviously had uh, more exposure to it over the years. Um, I have friends who are missionaries or family members that are missionaries that uh, would talk about some sensational things that they've seen on the front lines. It's really interesting. Like we have some missionaries in Zambia right now that see these incredible things uh, where people are healed and all kinds of interesting language things are happening. And um, all of those things are helping advance the gospel. Uh, You'll see somebody be healed and an entire tribe will be like, Jesus is Lord, we're in, let's do this. (laughs) And then they all wanna go tell another village. Um, And it's also interesting when you get like a layer or two behind that where they've been believers for like a year, a lot of times those gifts 
kind of dry up. So it's just really interesting. So I've, mm-hmm. I've been trying to wrestle through. I know the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants. I now believe these gifts are still active. And even in the most conservative cessationalist views, uh, they would say that those gifts are going to reemerge in the end times. And I don't know how we can look around culture today and not feel like we're imminently and should be looking for the Lord's return. Yeah. Uh, and even if even if I'm wrong, we're supposed to be people who look to eternity and look to the skies for his return. So even from a really conservative background view, uh, if we're in end times, those gifts might be reemerging. So I think we've got to pay attention to it. Um, I have seen it abused a lot, and I'm wired to be pretty skeptical anyway. So I'm always really, really cautious around the gifts. Um, and to be honest, it's still a little bit of a struggle for me some days to try to reconcile you know, how I grew up, what I'm seeing in Scripture, what I see as the experience of others, and trying to understand what's valid, what's not valid, and, and put those all together. It's interesting. Uh, I mean, you both mentioned just how, like, overseas we tend to see these gifts uh, mm-hmm. more active. And there may not be an answer to this uh, or that you might know, but, like, could you, like, uh, maybe theorize or have, like, why maybe we don't see those as much here in the United States? They had no other option. Like, they needed healing to survive and there was no medical. I mean, I, I am thankful for med- I wouldn't be alive today, most likely, if there wouldn't have been medical care. Um, but um, they're, they're, they have no option. And so I feel like they just are like, I'm going to receive what God has for me. And so um, it just it seems like there's an outpouring in that area just because there isn't. Uh, I'm going to go to the doctor to have humans help me. And don't get me wrong, I believe that God truly uses doctors. Mm -hmm. And I think that he's blessed America in that way to have such advanced technology and medicine. Um, But I think that that is why you might see, you know. And there's a hunger, I think, too, for for God there that's different than here. So Yeah. Chad, do you have any thoughts? Um, I think lately I've been feeling like, you know, we see these a lot. Uh, or at least I hear a lot of the stories where, you know, the, you're on the front lines of the gospel. So like in Zambia, there's not really a Muslim presence or a Hindu presence or anything else. It's it's witch doctors, and and uh, so they're fighting demons. And mm-hmm. you know, th- there's some some of the missionaries who might say like the you know the witch doctor replaces one evil demon with one that's worse. And so the person's blind not because there's a physiological issue with their eyes, but there's a spiritual power that's causing them to be blind. So mm. If you drive that spirit out and the Holy Spirit comes in, then that's removed and then they can see. So I don't know. Um, I think I think we in the, the United States um, have become pretty complacent about faith in a lot of ways. You know, if there was a, you know, a, a people group that doesn't have the Bible in their language or doesn't have some other way, uh, then maybe that would be a reason why the gifts are more prevalent there. Um, but at the same time, I, the Holy Spirit moves in incredible ways. And I don't know a better way to share your faith than to talk about what the Lord's done in your life mm-hmm. and the transformation that we've experienced, uh, whether that's just forgiveness of sin or uh, the empowerment to accomplish a task that felt bigger than we could do. And we know that the Lord provided the power through the Holy Spirit to be a great leader or to be a bold witness to our neighbors or whatever it may be. So it's an interesting question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's just dive in. So what does the Bible say about the spiritual gifts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that when I think about the spiritual gifts, I um, think about 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Um, in that, it kind of defines um, the gifts um, 
to one there's there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom to another the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by that one spirit to another the miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still to another the interpretation of tongues and then it continues and it says all are all of these are the work of the one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And I guess when you're asking about whether they're relevant or not, I feel like based on the scripture there that it defines and God has, I mean, if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus says, I'm sending the one, right? So the Holy Spirit indwells in us once we are believers. And so because we have the spirit of living God living in us, um, we ultimately um, have these at our access, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I do think that God is the one that distributes their gifts. Um, we can ask, you know, it says in the Bible to ask, you know, and- yeah. um, We're even encouraged to pursue yeah, the gifts. And pursue, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I think that yeah. um, that God is the giver, but we, you know, when you have a hunger or desire to see those things, um, you know, that that allows God to move in a way that doesn't necessarily, if you're not asking or, or seeking um, to grow um, in, mm-hmm. in your understanding of how his spirit works in people's lives. Yeah. The whole, uh, the desire, I, I think of first Corinthians 14, one where it's, uh, says follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit. And, mm-hmm. uh, so like, it seems like Paul is like commanding the, the, uh, the Corinthians. It's like, these are good things. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think is really important is to look at the, the context around a passage, right? Um, and that influences a little bit how we interpret passages. I think it's also important to think about like what was the purpose of a passage. So if you're reading in Genesis, for example, when you say, well, Noah was supposed to build a boat, does that mean we're all supposed to go build a boat and collect animals? Well, well no. It's talking about what happened back then. And those stories reveal something about the nature and the character of God, that he wanted to save people, that he wanted to uh, provide deliverance, and it's all foreshadowing Christ, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, So in Corinthians, one of the major narratives that Paul is addressing is unity in the body. And so the passage before this is talking about uh, communion and the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, uh, and that they some were, you know, not being included. It wasn't being handled well. It was abusive. So he's going after. There's not gifts that are greater than others. There's not people who are more valuable than others. Like we're all one body. Mm-hmm. We all have something to contribute. And then you have this passage about the gifts. So he's saying every person has a gift. Um, and I think it it's pretty clear that he's saying not everybody has these gifts. And you look out in 14 in particular, he even is asking like, uh, does everyone teach? Does everyone have words of wisdom? Does everyone do all these things? And, and the implied answer is no, mm-hmm. right? So it would be my belief that everyone has a gift. Everyone is empowered by the Spirit, but we're each unique. Uh, So I would feel that um, not everyone is going to have the gift of tongues. And just because somebody may not have that gift doesn't mean they're like junior varsity Christian. Mm -hmm. They're valuable also, and they have an important role to play. So all of us, regardless of how the Lord is empowering us or how the Spirit is empowering us, have an important role to play. Um, and so when you look at the book of Acts, if that's a description of what was happening at the establishment of the church or the grafting in of the Gentiles into the family of God, 
then maybe we'd say that's not normative for all believers today. Um, if you view it more as these are timeless principles and this is a teaching of a doctrine, mm-hmm. then maybe you'd say they are still active today. So I think sometimes the interpretation of those passages is more tied up in the context or how you choose to handle Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it can be really an interesting conversation for sure. Great stuff there. Um, <laughs> so like when I was just listening there as far as like um, – believers receiving different things and then there's a different interpretation and just hearing you kind of speak about those things um it just was making me think too about just how there's a maturity level that comes with um a believer's life i guess you'd say and so i think that um through my experiences i've seen people who you know were we're all valued. We all have, you know, like there's no tier one, tier two, like Christians, Mm -hmm. we're all like loved by God. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that there is a responsibility though, if you do experience God in a different way than another person to also be respectful of um, others that have different giftings. Um, I have seen that kind of um, miss, like miss you, you know, you were talking about how Mm -hmm. you've had some experiences that made you kind of skeptical. And I can see where you've had those because I have also been around people who have not always um, been mature in the way that they've handled the gifts, if that makes sense. Um, So I think that there is kind of a responsibility that we have as believers to um, honor God in the way that those gifts kind of play out. And I believe uh, in uh, first Corinthians uh, towards the end, uh, I mean, it's either 12 or 14, I forget, but like um, Paul is encouraging the believers to towards order and to like sound mind of, uh, of not doing things that are distracting. And I mean, when you read through that passage and stuff, I mean, it's not just the non-sensational gifts that those apply to, but that's also towards the sensational. Is like, I think, like you were talking about, Lori, is like, I think a lot of times our fear or our misunderstanding comes from at times when we see people who misuse it. Uh, Chad, you were talking about, depending on how you uh, interpret like the scriptures of like Acts and Corinthians, mm-hmm. do you see those as, uh, the question of is like, are these doctoral uh, readings or are these more uh, descriptive of what was happening at the time? Well, I'll start with something that's kind of a roundabout way of getting there. But like when we read in Psalms, for example, there's a bunch of poetic language and we would all look at that and go, okay, well, that's poetry. Like the, the hand of the Lord is not actually somehow physiologically laying on top of the people. Like you're not gonna, go outside and there's this giant hand coming out of the sky laying on the person you'd say well okay that's that's figurative language because it's it's a it's poetry it's uh language that's intended to convey an emotion or uh an, some type of imagery to help you understand what god is like um we read passages that talk about this happened that happened the next thing happened um that's a narrative and i think in my mind, all of Scripture fits under the umbrella of it's trying to show us what God is like, what he desires, which is reconciliation with his people. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a story about how people rejected God, and yet he pursued them. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve rejected God. They, 
you know, no one's going to say, well, what's normative for today is that a guy's going to fall asleep and his ribs going to get taken and a wife will be fashioned for him. I don't know anybody who thinks that's <laughs> how it happens still today, <laughs> right? Uh, but even in even in the garden, like they sinned, they hid, and Jesus came. Well, God came, um, and uh, he killed an animal and created a covering for them. I see that as typology or a, an image of Christ that is foreshadowing that Jesus was going to die on the cross in our place. They were wrong. God intervened, stepped in, and covered them. So it's a story. I don't think that it's normative that when we accept Christ, like we're going to get an animal skin thing made for us or something, right? Mm-hmm. So you see these narratives that are talking about what happened, and it's showing a picture of what God is like, uh, the way he related to the nation of Israel, for example, was incredibly unique in that time. Because uh, back then, uh, if you served some other god, like Baal or whomever else, right, they didn't never knew if they were pleasing Baal or not. They're like, well, maybe he's mad at us. Maybe this, maybe I don't know. And so for God to give his people the law was such a gift of grace to say, this is how you can please me. If you do these things, if you obey, you'll be blessed. If you don't do these things, you'll be cursed. That was an act of mercy for him to show, unlike any other God around, this is what I'm like. And then later he sent his son so that we could know him, know what he's like and experience him firsthand. What an incredible act of generosity that was. But all through those narratives, there's things that I don't think we would say, well, we're going to see that, you know, in Eastern Iowa or, you know, in the United States today. Uh, they're just, they're narratives. They're talking about what happened. So uh, getting back to the specific topic, when you look at First Corinthians, it was a letter written by an author, Paul, to the church in Corinth for a specific audience, for a specific purpose. He had heard about bad things that were happening in the church, the way that people were mistreating each other and the way that it was destroying the unity of the body and that they were not actually helping each other. And so he said, you know, don't partake of this ordinance in an unworthy manner, like treat each other well. And you've each been given a gift. All of you have been given a gift and you all contribute to the body. So in that context, then, um, that can shade a little bit how you view the interpretation of that passage. Um, if it's primarily designed to say that everybody contributes to the body and that we've each been empowered to do something, then I think that's pretty straightforward to take uh, into practice what does that mean for the church today. Um, if you just look at the chapter in isolation, then it's a lot easier to get into the weeds of, well, what gift does so-and-so have? Does everybody have all of the gifts? Should you pursue this gift? What does it mean if you have or don't have this particular gift? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure personally that those things are found. If you were to go back and say, well, Paul wrote this letter to that church, if his point was to say, this is how all these gifts happen. Really, the narrative was, I want you all to experience these gifts and to be part of the body and to contribute because we represent our God, we've been born into a family together, and we all should contribute to each other's well-being uh, to help each other grow and to learn more about what God is like. I mean, you do look at like um, uh, like uh, first like instances of First Corinthians fourteen five uh, when Paul says, "I would like every one of you to speak in tongues." It, he goes on and says, "But I'd rather have you have prophecy." Not, I don't think. Paul's trying to pit the two against each other. 
Uh, but he was really focusing, it seemed like he was really focusing on the building up of the church. Um, and then uh, going further of like 1426, what shall you, shall we say, brothers and sister, when we come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, and then everything must be done that the church may be built up. Yeah, and there's passages that are really interesting, like when Paul says, I want all of you to have the gift of tongues. Mm -hmm. If I take just that sentence, then I should feel like um, I'm neglecting something because I haven't experienced a manifestation of that gift. Uh, but at the same time, he's also talking about, I would rather have five words that are intelligible that build up the body of Christ than 10,000 words that don't matter. Mm -hmm. And he's laying ground rules that if you're going to speak in tongues, there's got to be an interpreter, right? Now, there is margin for sure of, you know, if you're experiencing this gift in private. And we've spent a lot of time wrestling through, okay, if gifts are for the edification of the body, is it like wrong or evil that it is a blessing or an edifying experience for me, mm. um, I wouldn't think that's the case. Like as somebody prepares a message and they study, hopefully they articulate the word of God really well and they bless the body, the people that hear the message. But as they prepare it, undoubtedly they're learning something about God and it's a positive experience for them as well. So I don't think it's wrong that an individual personally feel blessed. Um, the speaking of tongues in private is really interesting because I don't think I see in the list of gifts anything that segments off one gift from the others. It means two things to me. One, it means I can't disregard that speaking in tongues or healing, those sensational gifts are part of that list. I mean, they're in there. I can't exclude them. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if they're primarily for the building up of the body, it's really interesting if somebody is speaking in tongues privately and it builds them up, how is that a blessing to the body? I mean, I guess if, if I'm built up and I'm better because of it, maybe I'm a blessing to the body. But it's it's just really interesting how how we try to reconcile those things. I think it'd be good for us to maybe, uh, I mean, if you have something that you want to oh, speak ahead. into, but saying, yeah. I, I think mm -hmm. it'd be good to maybe define just tongues. You know, in Acts 2, um, that's the first time in Scripture that you'll see, like, the speaking of tongues and how um, the Holy Spirit came um, to the people there. And what you had is lots of people speaking in different languages, um, which then were then understood by the people in that community, which then led to lots of believers, or excuse me, lots of people who didn't know God become and become Christians and they then knew God because um, the gospel was shared in their language and God spoke to them. Um, so uh, when you look at like tongues today, um, it is a, a mysterious part, right? Like it's a mysterious part of, I, I say mysterious just because in our human state, it doesn't make sense and it's hard to understand. Um, and so when I think about that today, um, I can't deny that it exists. I've been around too many like places where I know people who speak in tongues. Um, I've seen services where people have spoken in tongues and there's been an interpretation. Um, so I believe it does happen. I also know of people who um, they're built up because um, they speak in tongues in their private life. And as a result of that, um, God just meets them there, right? And so, and I've, I've experienced that as well. And so I think that um, when we're looking for at it today, um, uh, it is like utterances that 
most might not understand, right? It's a different language. It's words that we don't understand in our in our human state. It's not necessarily, um, you know, understandable. And so I think that with that, that's where it also is kind of confusing because it might not, it doesn't sound, you know, right, I guess, for lack of better words. And so I think that, um, again, there's a responsibility as a believer that, um, when you're speaking in tongues to just make sure that you're in order as Paul was commanding the church. Um, if you're in a private setting to make sure that it's done in order. Um, and so with that, um, you know, I've been in different church settings that there there isn't necessarily room for that in a Sunday morning service. And so I think that it also might be a, a that might also lead people to not necessarily have an understanding of what that might look like because it can get messy. And so like, you know, when there's limited time, you have a responsibility to share the gospel. Like, you know, it, it, it's sometimes uncomfortable to leave space for that. Um, so I've been in different services where there is room for that and when there's not. I'm not saying either is right or wrong. It works for that setting. Um, but I think that that also then does lead people to kind of wonder, like, why? what does that look like for today? Why don't we see that happening? You know, that type of thing. So, so yeah, here at Life Church, uh, I would say we would define uh, tongues in the sense that you have the outward expression of tongues, um, which would be a heavenly language, and then you have your own personal prayer language uh, that is between you and God. And uh, I would say I think the grounds for that comes in First uh, Corinthians fourteen fourteen. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. So uh, the praying with my spirit, singing in my spirit, uh, that would be a form of tongues. So of the permission of like, yeah, we can be praying in tongues. Um, And then we find for uh, at the spot of the armor of God, take the helmet, of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So he's saying uh, the, the Bible, word of God. And then he goes in 18 and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And uh, I would say we interpret that pray in the spirit as uh, that heavenly language of, of tongues here at Life Church. And so I would say, I mean, uh, to answer your question of like of building up is like building ourselves up, uh, is that fall in line with like the gifts of the spirit? Um, I mean, I think we build ourselves up a lot so that we could be an outpouring. I mean, we take time of rest, we take, uh, sabbaticals, um, and all those things so that we can then, uh, go out and be a blessing to others. And so, um, that's kind of how, I would see a justification of like being able to pray in uh, this uh, in tongues in your, our own personal prayer language of like, yeah, we can be building ourselves up. And if something was available for that, then um, we should want to go after that. I agree. I think it's easier to justify it from some of the other passages outside of First Corinthians. There's a lot of cohesion between all of those. Uh, different passages, so it's it's not an unreasonable interpretation at, at all, in my opinion. So, so um, I, I I've got a question for you. If I can ask a question, yeah. um, 
I have seen instances where someone will demonstrate one of the gifts of the Spirit. Say, let's go with healing, just because it's a tidy example. Say, somebody's really sick, they've been praying that God would heal them, that person isn't healed and they die, and then that person's faith can be incredibly rattled, and they start asking questions like, is God even real? So how do you all put some good fences around that so that if God doesn't do what somebody was hoping for, that they don't feel like God isn't real? Like, how do you protect it around some of those kinds of things? Yeah. Well, I think that is where the mystery comes, right? Because when I hear you saying that, so one of, I, when I was on my journey to like understand this more, um, did a lot of listening, a lot of reading with the stuff that was coming out of Reading, California with Bill Johnson. And so when I hear that, he, he's, he has a book all on healing and his wife just passed from cancer. Um, and I think that it's in the moments that you don't understand, you still have to say yes to God, right? You're saying yes to Jesus, even though you don't understand all of that. And so I think that God does use those examples of challenges and struggles where um, he doesn't move in the way that we necessarily anticipate or would like um, to really draw us to himself. Um, of course, it can go the other opposite way as well, you know, where um, there's anger and there's people who are turned from God in those instances. But I think there's a conscious choice that we have to make um, as believers to always just, even if you don't understand in the mystery, to to say, yes, I choose God no matter what. So, I think it comes back to, though, uh, ask, seek, and knock. And um, when we look into... Uh, these and that healing is available in God. Like we should want to ask, you know. Uh, I don't think there's ever a guarantee of that you will be healed. Um, I think though the promise is is that you can ask, and God is there who wants to he- hear you, and uh, He does uh, grant that at times, and other times I. I we don't know why. There's a lot of things we don't really know about why God does things the way uh, he does them. And I, yeah, I don't know why God wouldn't answer that at that time, but he's also uh, a lot smarter than me. Um, and uh, I know the other things about God is that he loves us and he wants what's best for us. Um, and that uh, sometimes that, that that's uh, hard to like wrap our head around. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I I know pain and growth often come together, and I wish that wasn't always the case. I think God has something to show us. Um, an- another question I'm always concerned about personally is how do you ensure like if somebody's giving a word of prophecy, um, there are times that it feels like it's not necessarily aligned with something that's clearly in scripture. And so I think we'd all agree that's probably not of the Lord. Um, I I was one of the previous churches I was in. uh, One of the other pastors in the community had this vision from God that they were going to buy this building and that God was going to bless them. And it was a church of like 20 people. They bought this building. They couldn't afford it. And they were bankrupt like, you know, a couple months after. And I was heartbroken seeing all the people that had attended that church that many of them walked away from their faith because they're like, well, here was this person we trusted that said, this is from God. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you reconcile those kinds of things? Do you just assume the guy actually didn't hear from the Lord and that he actually heard from eating too much lunch or something? Like, how do you reconcile some of those kinds of things? Well, I, you know, I just think that there's some margin for human error in things, right? Because 
I've had similar situations where even a word's been spoken to me and I didn't see it happen. So I went back to the person and then it was like me even questioning the person who spoke that. It was like they were offended that I would even like question, you mm. know, because I was trying to do that mm. very same thing to understand. And so I think that there is some margin for human error in things. Um, I also think that um, I do like I brought a resource along. Um, it's called Basic Training for the Prophetic Ministry. Um, it actually was a class that I took here many years like when i first started going to church here um but in it it kind of talks about like when you're giving prophetic words um some rules or some like etiquette that comes with it as far as um when to publicly share things and and i think it's just really wise in the sense of like it's there's wisdom to knowing when to share and when to maybe keep things to yourself um knowing when god is giving you the green light and when it's like ah you know maybe that Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily something that right now should be spoken to the person that um you know so you know it's it's that fine line of walking trying to be faithful and i think that that's the thing right we're all trying to be faithful with what god has shown us in that moment and sometimes it gets messy because we're humans and we're flawed and we're just doing the best we can with the wisdom and understanding that god gives us at the time so well to be clear like i want to affirm like do i think that the lord can reveal something to somebody that is a word somebody needs today i do and I've, I've seen it. Um, do I think God can heal people? Yeah, I, I do. Um, just because there's questions or a passage is difficult or something is hard to explain, let's not run away from it. Let's let's do lean in. Um, and it's important to me um, that we honor each other because I don't have all the answers. And some of these things have been debated for thousands of years. You know, uh, are we eternally secure? Does God give us free will? Those are hard things to reconcile. Um, so just because things are hard, um, we definitely shouldn't just throw them out. Um, and I hope that we all earnestly seek the Lord and that that we share with the world the amazing things that God does do um, because he has the, the power to transform a life and it's unlike anything else that is. So I hope we pursue those things together even if they're hard. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So I know there's a lot of diversity in views um, by different churches and denominations. It would feel important to me. I want to honor you all. What would you say is the position of Life Church and the denomination you all are part of? Yeah. So the position of Life Church with uh, retaining to the gifts of the Spirit and that is that, uh, that they are still prevalent, that there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in that baptism, there's evidence of tongues. If you have questions or looking to um, just figure out what gifts that God may have given you, uh, we have multiple things here. You could go to our website. You can uh, take the Holy Spirit experience, uh, reach out to one of our pastors. And I know uh, we would be more than happy to uh, talk to you about all that. So as we wrap up here, any final thoughts from the two of you? Well, my final thought would just be that God loves us tremendously more than we can ever imagine. And so I think that when you're thinking about the spiritual gifts and and discussing them, that the bottom line is that God loves us. And so when you see him move and speak, um, it's to communicate his love for us and just our identity in Christ and who he's called us to be. So it's going to all point back to Jesus and the scriptures and just who he um, has made us to be. And that's a child, children of God. I'm going to go on a little tangent. I think it's really awesome that 
um, you all are having these kinds of conversations and dialogues. Uh, and I hope that all of us continue to pursue God, to have meaningful dialogue so that we can sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. Um, because ultimately what matters more than anything to me is making the name of Christ known. And I hope that we can all work together, even if there's diversity in views, um, to know God well and to help others know him and experience the transforming work that he does in people's lives. So thanks for the opportunity to be here. Yeah. Thank Thank you you for joining us Mm -hmm. today, Chad and Lori, and we'll see you guys next time. It was great to hear from Ben, Lori, and Chad as they had the conversation about the spiritual gifts. If you're wanting more information on the topic, we have a resource link below. And if you have any questions, reach out to one of our pastors here at Life Church. Our contact information can be found below or at lifechurchnow.org. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple and Google Podcast, as well as Spotify. We're always looking to engage with new questions here that are relevant to you. So please uh, let us know if you have a question. Submit it below by the following link. And uh, thanks again for tuning in to Asking for a Friend. We'll see you next time.